Welcome to the Efficient Practice Podcast. If you want increased productivity, profitability, and a better quality of life, this show is for you. And now your host, Dr. Evelyn Samuel. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Efficient Practice Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Evelyn Samuel, and I am super excited about our interview today. We have an outstanding guest on the show today. We have Dr. Rico Short. Welcome to the show, Dr. Short. Hey, thank you for having me. Absolutely. We're so excited to have you here. The listeners are in for a treat, so you definitely want to stay to the very end of this episode. Dr. Short is going to be uh, dropping so many pearls of wisdom, so you don't want to miss out. But before we get started, if you have not, please join our free Facebook. It's called the Efficiency Now Network, where there are several dentists and other dental professionals. We're all in there trying to help each other. So if you have efficient practices, like dental practices or medical practices, or if you're using efficient practices to run your business better, that group is for you. And if you have not, please subscribe rate and review the show. It's called the Efficient Practice Podcast. So before we get started, I'm going to read a little bit about Dr. Short's uh, very impressive uh, bio. So Dr. Rico Short attended the Medical College of Georgia School of Dentistry, the Dental College of Georgia, to attain a Doctor of Dental Medicine degree in 1999. In 2002, he earned his postdoctoral degree in endodontics from Nova Southeastern University. Dr. Short added the final notch to his belt and became a diplomat of the American Board of Endodontics in 2009. His private practice, Apex Endodontics PC, was opened in 2004 and is located in Smyrna, Georgia, just outside of Atlanta. Dr. Short has almost 20 years of experience in dentistry and over 15 years in endodontics. He is an expert consultant in endodontics to the Georgia Board of Dentistry and a clinical assistant clinical professor at the Dental College of Georgia in Augusta. He is an independent national lecturer and is endorsed by the American Association of Endodontist Speakers Bureau. In addition, he has treated numerous celebrities from actors, producers, writers, comedians, television anchors, sports athletes, and music artists. He is affectionately known as the Root Canal Specialist to the Stars. Dr. Short has written articles and published in several journals, including Dentistry Today. He made the exclusive cover in April of 2013. Inside Dentistry, Upscale Magazine, Rolling Out Magazine, and the Journal of Endodontics. He has lectured at the American Dental Association and the National Dental Association annual meetings, in addition throughout the United States and the Caribbean. Dr. Short's work has been published in dental journals around the world with opportunities to speak in China and the Philippines, Furthermore, Dr. Short has a very robust online presence in dentistry. He has over 3,000 followers in LinkedIn worldwide and over 10,000 followers on Facebook explaining various dental procedures and current trends in dentistry. 
Dr. Short was named one of the top 40 dentists under 40 in America by Incisal Edge Magazine in 2013 and has been named in dentistry today consistently as one of the top leaders in continuing education. He, it, he is a frequent contributor to online dental journals, journals as well. In addition, he has made several guest appearances on local and national radio, television shows, and stations. In 2012, June of 2012, he spoke on Trinity Broadcast Network to over 80 million households worldwide, dispelling myths about root canal therapy and optimizing oral health. Dr. Short has received several prestigious awards and accolades throughout his career. He is very philanthropic in his community. Dr. Short has established an annual scholarship at the Dental College of Georgia in Augusta, formerly known as the Medical College of Georgia School of Dentistry. He is an American Dental Association success speaker and a graduate of the Institute of Diversity and Leadership Program. With this knowledge, Dr. Short travels around the country speaking to senior dental students about the future of dentistry. In addition, he volunteers at various nonprofit non organizations and charity dental clinics. In October of 2012, Dr. Short was selected as a panelist for the Affordable Care Act. He was invited to the White House to give his personal opinion about how the Affordable Care Act would affect both businesses and citizens of our country from a healthcare provider perspective. Dr. Short is also a motivational speaker and author. His new book entitled Getting to the Root of Your Problem, 365 Days of Inspirational Thinking is considered one of the most thought-provoking self-published books today. He travels abroad, teaching people to tap into their God-given potential to make a positive difference in society. Dr. Short is married to Angela Short, who is a, a dental hygienist, and they have two beautiful children, Jayla and Ava. Welcome to the show, Dr. Uh, Short. Oh, thank you for having me. Man, uh, I, was I was listening to him like, who is that guy? <laughs> I don't know who that guy is. So. You know, when you just get caught up in the moment, you know, you just, you just do it. And uh, <laughs> I'm proud of what you're doing. Uh, I want to call you Evelyn because I've been knowing you a long time, Dr. T. But, uh, <laughs> but I'm proud of what you're doing and the impact you're making in dentistry as well. Thank you. Thank you. And, and thank you so much for coming on the show, Dr. Short. And I'm going to refer to you as Rico because, yes, we know each other and we go way back and we're going to talk about that a little bit on the show. But yes, thank you for being on the show. You, you've done so many amazing things and I cannot wait uh, for the listeners to, to hear all about the things you've done, all about the, the, the exciting things you've done in dentistry and, and how you help in the community and how you inspire so many people. So I just, I can't wait to get started. All right. Uh, um, before we get really, we dive really deep into your, your interview. Um, I'd like for you to, um, I, I, I can't imagine the viewers don't know you because you, you've done so many things and you're, you're such a, a well-known uh, trailblazer in dentistry right now. But for those of, of, of the listeners who may not, be, may, may not be familiar with you, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your journey and how did you get into dentistry? Sure. Um, well, I'm going to try to make the long story as short as possible. So um, 
I'm from Columbus, Georgia, um, small town outside of Atlanta, about two hours outside of Atlanta. And I was reared in a single parent household, never knew my father, no one went to college. My mother was a meal worker. And um, around me, you know, we had, I had hardworking family, but no one aspired to get outside their neighborhood. And one day, I actually was fortunate enough to get, in, get involved in a mentoring program. The mentor happened to be a dentist. And so he came to my community, came to my home, and basically was a kind of a father figure to me. And he showed me what it was like to actually have a dental office, to be a dentist and doctor, because a lot of people think dentists aren't doctors, but we are. We do a lot more than most doctors do, but I didn't say that. And then um, I wanted to see what it's like, you know, to live outside of my neighborhood. And he lived in a country club and had this, this nice home and all those kind of things as a young African-American male. That, that was something I had to relate to. I had to put my eyes and my hands to it. And once I saw that, that sparked something in me to work hard and to be something um, other than what I saw the people in my neighborhood was doing. And so he sparked my interest in dentistry. And this is, this is all the way back in 10th grade in high school. And since then, I kind of knew what I wanted to do. And um, he became my mentor uh, all the way throughout. I went to uh, Morris Brown College and I finished Morris Brown in three years. Um, and then after that, I got accepted to dental school at the, at the Dental College of Georgia now, or the Medical College of Georgia School in Augusta. And um, it was a pretty difficult transition. I was the only African-American male in my class, and I had to learn how to speak the language. And so some of you guys probably say, hey, Dr. what do you mean the language, the English language? Well, it's a different environment. And if you don't know how to adapt to that environment, it's going to be very difficult. I tell people all the time, it's like taking somebody from the hood or from the, from, from the other side of the tracks, and you sit them and let's sit them down and watch Seinfeld. Well, guess what? They're not going to get that dry comedy because they're not used to it. So that was a language I had to get used to. And it took me a while to get used to that. And a lot of people there thought I was there to probably, um, you know, uh, meet some type of quota. And um, in the South, you know, racism still existed. And um, I excelled. And people, some of my professors thought that I was cheating and things like that. So it was pretty difficult there. But I, I said I would stay focused, just like the sign behind you say, stay focused. And um, I would finish the journey. So I finished um, the top of my class. And uh, once I finished, I actually practiced general dentistry for a few years with my mentor back in Columbus. And um, um, everything was great at first. The first year was great and things start changing. Um, there was a little kind of jealousy, I thought, that sat in and, and it made me, you know, I was uncomfortable. We may go into that um, a little bit. And um, I wanted to do something else. And so I ended up looking at becoming an endodontist and going back to school. So I ended up applying and got into the program, which is a whole long story. How I got into the program was really by the grace of God that I got into the program and um, fell in love with, with endodontics and uh, came back to Atlanta and I uh, worked for a group for about three years and opened my own. So this month, I'm actually celebrating my 15th year in my own private practice that I actually started from scratch. Um, did not buy into a practice. I actually started opening the door and knocking on other people's doors and saying, hey, look, I know you don't know who I am, but trust me, I can, I can do a pretty good root canal. And um, it just started growing from there. 
And, um, you know, that little spark turned into a love and a passion. And the next thing you know, I was writing articles and doing lectures and volunteering. And I ended up um, becoming a associate professor at the school that I kind of hated. And I actually went back and uh, been able to speak to the students with a smile on my face and talk to some of the professors that never think I was going to make it through dental school, furthermore, become a specialist, furthermore, become a professor, and add another notch onto it, given a scholarship in my name at the institution that they didn't even think I was going to make it through. So I tell people, you know, the best, you know, revenge is, is, is massive success. And that's what, by the grace of God, I've been able to accomplish. Um, so now, um, got 15 years in, I'm in my own practice in Smyrna, Georgia, right outside of Atlanta, and um, been able to contribute online to social media to try to help other dentists to do a better root canal or how to make the proper diagnosis. And if you're not doing that, I'm telling you, just you know, giving you tips on how to live, you know, how to be able to be a, a, a really good father or, or a great husband and to be able to stay grounded in, in your faith. And uh, it's been a it's been a wonderful journey so far, Evelyn. So thank you for having me. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, you you just said so many things, and and there's there's so many things that we can talk about. Um, like like we said when we came on the show, uh, we know each other, and we go way back many years. Um, and and I'll just share this with the listeners. We met way back in um, when we were in college. We did a summer program at Marquette University. And it was a summer dental program, and I met you all those years ago. Several of us, several of us went on to become dentists, um, but I remember you, and you, do, you, know, you never know what impression you make on people, but I remember that I thought you were just really bright. I thought you were exceptional. I did. I, I remember that, and I, I remember a lot of the people that were participating, but I just thought, he is so sharp. Oh, thank you very yeah. much. I appreciate it. Yeah. I did. I mean, I'm not, I'm, I'm serious. I did. And so now that you have done all these things and you're, you know, you're on the lecture circuit and you're, you're lecturing all over the country and you're in all the journals, it, it, it didn't surprise me at all because I, I remember, I remembered that about you when we were in that program. Oh, awesome. Yes. So um, I, I too can relate to what you were saying. I, I went to the University of Alabama School of Dentistry and I went to Alabama A&M University for undergrad, which is an HBCU. So I too had to go into that transition. And it's very difficult to explain that to people who may not have experience, like the, the HBCU experience. Um, yeah, there was a camaraderie there that I cannot even explain. You know, and so I, I too, when I went to dental school, had a, a, a time transitioning. But most people wouldn't have known that because I, I would never say anything. Because I didn't want to appear negative. Right, absolutely. So I just kind of struggled in silence. Right. Uh-huh. So for, for, um, for maybe dental students that, that may be in school or, and they're aspiring to be an endodontist someday, is there any advice that you could give them in terms of how to deal with, you know, uh, coping with it? Because dental school is tough anyway. You have that, and then you have this added learning the language. Is there anything that you would recommend or advise to, to students that are, that are going through something similar? Absolutely. Well, number one thing, you have to get a mentor. If you don't get a mentor, it is going to be, it's already tough. It's going to be like hell. I mean, I'm just going to be honest with you. 
you get a mentor and and I'm not saying somebody that you know you got to be on the phone every day with but somebody can call every now and then to keep you focused to keep you encouraged you know and lift you up and that's what you're going to need and also you know what helped me too is I had a very very good study partner and if you are a dental student you need to have you a study partner and guess what your study partner may not look like you you know I I, I didn't have many a big selection of who my study partner could be because it wasn't the same, you know, skin color and income from my block. But my study partner was actually um, a Jewish guy. And uh, many people didn't know that he was Jewish. And what happened was one day we were in biochemistry and we were kind of talking and he, you know, they like to kind of test and see if you know something. So he asked me a question and I asked the question. He's like, no, nah, I don't think that's true. And I said, well, it's on page 46, the second line in the second paragraph. And he said, no, it's not. And he flipped and looked at it and it was right there. He said, all right, you're my study partner. <laughs> We're going to do this. And, uh, and he ended up becoming a, a really successful orthodontist in Bend, Oregon. And the thing is, with me connecting with him, he actually saw a lot of struggles that I went through. He saw when and there were some clinical things where the highest grade I can get is a C or returning in projects like wax ups and things like that. He's like, man, yours look just as good as mine, but it's supposed to be double blind. Well, I knew that they knew whose dental form and things like that it was. And I struggled with that, but, but academically taking the regular test, I did well because you can't really, you know, that's not as subjective. And um, so one day I remember me and him, we switched dental forms on something. So when we switched dental forms, he still got an A and I still got a C. Wow. That's what showed me right there my sophomore year. Like, okay, the playing field is not level. And he said, hey, I got your back. If anything crazy happens, I'm going to vouch for you. And I really appreciated that, and especially on this MLK weekend where we look, look out for each other. We look out for fellow brothers and sisters who may not even look like you. And I was appreciative that me and, me and him, we're still really good friends till this day. And, um, but he asked me, he said, well, how do you handle that? You have to do things two and three times over. I said, you know what? I said, it's going to make me better and it's going to make me stronger. And guess what? When I got ready to take my, um, my clinical exam, I, I aced it because I had to do things over two and three times. When I got out into general, to become a general dentistry, I didn't have to do a GPR or anything like that, because I almost did that in school. I had to do things multiple times over. And where they thought they were hurting me, they actually was helping me. So, so some of you dental students, if you're in that category, you feel like you're getting kind of picked on and things like that, just remember, as you're doing these things multiple times over, they're not hurting you, they're really helping you. So, um, so those, are, those are two um, you know, really strong advice I would give the dental student today. Um, as far as coping through dental school, if you feel like you're being, you know, singled out, you feel like you're not being included, you know, um, just make sure you have a study partner. And like, like I said, they may not, may not look like you and that's okay. And number two, make sure you have a mentor because the mentor is going to help you see the other side because you've got to be able to see the now and you've got to be able to see the future. You can't see the future. You can get so bogged on the now and then that can make you, you know, give up or want to quit. Right. Good, good answer. Good advice. So uh, you've been in your practice for, um, you said, 15 years? This is like the anniversary. Yes, this month, by the grace of God. <laughs> Congratulations. Thank you. 
So yeah, uh, being a practice owner and uh, starting from scratch is always, um, there's a lot involved. Uh, so that's to be commended. And I like for the show that there are all, all kinds of people listening. The majority of people will probably be dentists just because I'm a dentist. I'm gonna attract some dent uh, dentists. Um, but I like to have business owners who have done well in business on so that we can share business tips to help whatever business you're in to run better. So what would you say is some of your efficient practices that you use uh, in your practice that, that, that kind of helps you to, to um, have a, a very good and productive and profitable practice? Well, I mean, it's so many nuggets I can drop, but, but one of the main thing is to, you know, streamline, stay efficient. You know, you don't have to buy the newest thing that comes out. Dentistry changes so fast. If you keep buying all the newest stuff that comes out, number one, you won't ever be able to keep up with the technology. I'm trying to tell you that. And number two is the fact that you're going to keep putting yourself in more and more debt. And really, number three, you won't be able to master it. And I tell people, you know, once you get your technique, once you get your, you know, your, your items down, you master it. And I'm not saying not to change. Definitely, you can change as, as you see fit. But when you start changing too fast, then you start getting in all this debt and you start piling up, I call it junk dentistry. You, see, you, you pile up all these things that you don't need. So first of, first of all, I would say, you know, you, you master your craft and you streamline to the things that you need. And then you, 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 you stay focused on that. And then as you get better and you learn more, and I always recommend going to continuing education courses, as many, as many courses you can take, but make sure that's for you. And I see so many people fall in the trap of that person got this, now I got to get this. Or that person got this cone beam, I got to get this. Or I got to get one better than them because they're so trapped in the competitive mindset. And, and there's nothing wrong with being competitive, but you want to be competitive with yourself. You don't want to be competitive with everybody that's out there because you're going to fall into a rat race. And then you're going to find yourself, you got the new stuff, but guess what? Now you have more debt. And every time you get something else, you got to learn it and then master it. And then it's going to always be something else out there. So I tell people all the time, you know, once you kind of get your sweet spot, because everybody has one, you carve your own niche out. You know, if you are very good at, doing cosmetic dentistry, what the heck are you doing root canals? I mean, you shouldn't even be messing with a root canal. It's gonna throw you off, it's gonna waste your time, you're gonna lose a lot of money. Send it out. I don't care what practice management person says, hey, you don't need to send all this stuff out. You need to keep it in your house. Trust me, if you wanna do it for a long time, enjoy it, focus on the things you love. And, you know, trying to, trying to be, you know, all these other things, dentistry. I, I was a general dentist. You know, I was a general dentist for three years and it was so much stuff to yes. try to remember. I mean, you got a crown prep here, you got a filling here, you got to check hygiene, then you got a root canal there, then you got an extraction, then you got a surgical extraction. And then now you got an implant, you got all this stuff. And it's hard to juggle all that. I mean, it, and then you're talking about juggling it and then staying high quality. Guess what? That does not mix. You can't juggle all these things and stay high quality and efficient. It doesn't work like that. So you have to find those things you love, find those things you focused on. You focus on that and all the other stuff, you can just send it out. And it's okay. You can do that. And if you listen, and this is another thing, Evelyn, I'm going to call you Evelyn. Oh, that's fine. Um, 
you know, a lot of times, you know, people, you know, I, I sit back in some of these, um, you know, lectures and, and, and the first thing they tell me, <clears throat> you know, um, well, Dr. Short, what, what, what's your best file? Or what's your best handy? What's this? And I'm like, look, you know, what's best for me may not be best for you. You know, I tell people all the time, if you're trying to get from where I live to Atlanta, you can get there various means. You can, you can drive a Mercedes, you can drive a Bentley, you can drive a Toyota, you can ride a bike, a skateboard. You know, there's different ways to get to the end. It all depends on how you want to get there and what means, what do you want to invest to get there? Because, you know, I talk to people all around the world and guess what? There are some areas around the world, like in certain parts of Brazil, certain parts of Africa, I talk to people in certain parts of Australia, they don't have access to the things we have, or they don't have necessarily the finances to go out and buy a cone beam machine and all the finest implant equipment and all that. But guess what? They can do a really good job with the stuff that they have. And they asked me, they said, we come to the United States or we, we listen to other people. We feel so bad because we can't afford to buy those things. I said, look, don't worry about that. As long as you're doing the best quality dentistry you can, it doesn't matter. And so once I tell them that and they get it, you know, it takes the stress off, number one. And guess what? It takes the financial burden off, number two. And number three, the key is to be financially free, financially independent. Have your student loans paid. Pay off your practice. Once you do that, whether you got 20 people coming or you got two, guess what? You're going to be fine. You're not, you get off the rat wheel. And that's what I try to tell people. Once you get down to that point and you pay off the debt and you're smart with your money, you invest your money wisely, you can enjoy dentistry because dentistry is meant to be enjoyed. And a lot of people, they don't understand that. And they put all that pressure on, they buy all this stuff and do those kind of things and never can get a chance to really enjoy dentistry because they're trying to keep up with the Joneses in one shape, form, or fashion. Well, well, I am the endodontist best friend because I refer all molars out and I have always referred all molars out. I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, I found out very early on that I love Crown and & Bridge and, and, you know, the cosmetic things. And so, like you said, I, I felt better doing the things that I like to do and that I was uh, proficient and efficient at and I could do quickly and be more productive and do beautiful dentistry than to attempt to do a molar root canal. Um, it started off though, we were at Alabama, we had endo residents. Mm -hmm. So we didn't really do molars in dental school. So the, the molars were for the, resi the residents. And so I took that same thought process when I went into private practice and I felt like the molars were for specialists. And I think I attempted to do one maybe once and it took so long that I would tell patients, you really don't want me to do, you really don't want me to do a molar root canal. Let me see you to my friendly uh, neighborhood in Adonis and I will do you a beautiful restoration afterwards. Um, and all was well with right. the rest. So I agree. And you're right. A lot of practice management companies will say, well, you got to keep everything in and you know, you got to be good at everything. And it just makes for a stressful environment. It just makes for a stressful environment as a dentist trying to do all those things. So I, I couldn't agree with you more. I, and I've gone into several practices uh, in different states, and I, I've seen people just seeing so many patients, you know, in a day, and they're like, this is the only way. And it just, I, I think you should just do what you love to do and become very proficient at it, like you said, and 
and you'll do a, you'll do a better job, you'll do better dentistry, and you'll feel less stressed as well. Absolutely, and the, and uh, the patients are going to be able to feel that energy from you. They'll be able to tell, wait, man, you know what, Dr. T, she loves doing this. And guess what they're going to do? They're going to tell somebody else. They're going to, and then you, next thing you know, you're going to have people coming and see you and you're not spending thousands of dollars on all this marketing stuff. And I'm not against marketing. Do what you got to do. But nothing is better than word of mouth marketing. Someone had tells somebody else about the positive experience they had with you. And, and once you're able to do that and, and deliver the product and they feel that you love what you do, you're going to find yourself having, you know, plenty of patients and not only just patients, they're going to be high quality patients because there's a difference between a regular dental patient and a high quality dental patient. And as a dentist, you want to have high quality dental patients. And you, I know you know a lot about that, right? Yes, indeed. <laughs> yes, indeed. And you are so, so, so correct. So um, you are also affectionately known um, as the uh, canal specialist to the stars. How did that happen? I know you have your, your own patients and, and you've had your practice for about 15 years, but how did you get into this role? How did you become like this, this um, source that, that celebrities and people come to you for their dentistry? Well, um, being in Atlanta, Atlanta is kind of a hotbed for a lot of things that goes on. So, but back up when I was at Morris Brown, a lot of my good friends, some of them I went to high school with, they started off and in college and then there's like you know what we want to do something different so a lot of my friends they actually interned with LaFace L.A. Reed and Babyface they had their um you know big studio here and they they birthed people like Usher and um you know Pink and Outkast and all those kind of people like that and so I actually hung out with them like when they were like people didn't know who they were we all hung out together at the Atlanta University Center with Morehouse, Clark, Spellman, Morris Brown. And so um, when I became a dentist, I was still friends with these people. And then when I did my, uh, my residency down at Nova Southeastern in Fort Lauderdale, they would bring all the artists there. And sometimes um, they said, hey, you know what? You have a nice place. Hey, how about um, Pink or whatever? Just crash at your place. Sure, yeah, we all can hang out here. So I got to know these people personally. It's like, hey, you know, whenever you come out, you come back to Atlanta, we're going to look you up. So I'm like, yeah, right. And so um, it actually happened. And so when they uh, needed a root canal, they were like, yeah, I remember this guy, you know, Dr. Short, you know, let's go and check him out. So um, one of my first celebrities that I worked on um, was Usher Raymond. And um, he was scared as all get out. And then when able to do a root canal and he like fell asleep while I'm doing the root canal, it's like, hey man, why didn't I have those experiences with other people? I've had other root canals before in Beverly Hills and things like that. But for you, I didn't feel anything. Man, that's awesome. That's amazing. I'm gonna tell everybody about you in the industry. So some of the people already knew me. And then when he said, okay, I'm gonna tell some of those people and then the floodgates opened up. And then one of my uh, good friends, his name is Fonsworth Bentley. Um, he had a show called Jeez the Gents. Some people affectionately know him as being P. Diddy's personal assistant, the guy that carries the umbrella. I remember that. <laughs> remember him, right? So, um, so he came by and, uh, you know, he was like, hey, man, you need to call yourself the Root Canal Specialist to the Stars. 
And I'm like, man, that's kind of cheesy. He was like, trust me, you already send the celebrities. Trust me, I live in LA and they capitalize on everything. You call yourself that, people, are, they're gonna make fun at you, know, you know, hey, why do you call? In the beginning he said, but when you look five, 10 years down the road, that's gonna be who you are when you ask Siri, who's the root canal specialist stars, <laughs> or Dr. Rico short. And they're gonna be like, wow, why didn't I think of that? So, um, so I did it. And, um, and, and because of that, you know, I've been seeing you know, a whole bunch of different you know, celebrities and all that. And, and I'm gonna pause here. You know, I treat everybody like a celebrity. Exactly. That's what I do. So just because, you know, a, a celebrity come through, no, no matter who they are, you know, I make sure they feel welcome and they feel down to earth because a lot of them, they don't like all that stuff. You know, they're, they're like, hey, doc, just treat me like everybody else, you know, and, and that's what they like. So I'm able to do that. But I treat all, everybody I see, I treat like a celebrity. Good deal. Good deal. And so we, we I'm going to ask you some of the questions. You said a lot of people ask you, what file do you use? And, right. and, and that's going to be some of the questions that, that, that it, always, it, is, always. it is. And so we have a couple of questions. Um, there are some people from uh, one of the private Facebook groups that submitted a couple of questions. They knew you were coming on the show. Okay. And so I have uh, a couple of questions here. We're just going to answer on the spot. So the first one is, um, does it really matter if warm vertical condensation is used or lateral condensation? And the person goes on to say that I was trained to use warm vertical condensation, but with being a new grad, have come to realize that most GP offices are actually using either a single cone fit or vertical condensation. I know the standard of care I was taught was always vertical condensation. And then she goes on to just say, thank you. All right, well, that's a great question. Well, originally, you know, root canals were done with lateral condensation. That means you have a single cone and then you put some accessory cones and you put it in there and you put some pressure, you put it in and put some pressure and then you sear the top off and that's it. And guess what? That is still an acceptable technique. Now, would it look as pretty as the warm vertical? You can pop the laterals and all that. Maybe not, but guess what? From a success rate standpoint, there's no difference. So if you're using lateral condensation or warm vertical condensation, both of those techniques are acceptable. And if, and if, and if you do a great job obturating, you're gonna get you know, a great result. Now, I do have mixed feelings about the carrier-based obturators like thermofilm and things like that, because I actually retreat more of that than anything else in my practice. And one of the main reasons is, is the fact that most of the time when they're using thermofilm, which is carrier-based obturators, plastic carrier in the middle, you can kind of cheat a little bit. And what do I mean by cheat? You can inadequately clean out the canal system, and if you shove that thing in there and take a beautiful x-ray, it'll look great. But guess what? There's still some tissue and debris in there. So if it's not adequately cleaned out and you, and you shove it in there, it's going to look great. But that will break down usually in a couple of months or maybe between one to three years and have to be retreated. But it looks beautiful on the x-ray. In fact, I can look at the x-ray and it looks beautiful and it has a lesion there, a patient swollen. I can already say, I said, that's thermophil in there. And I get in there and that's what it is. And the reason is, is because with one, with one vertical, you have to fit the cone and get tugged back. If there's tissue in there, there's debris, guess what's gonna to happen to that cone? It's gonna crinkle up, you're not gonna get it down, and you have to take it out and do another one. Then you keep getting frustrated, 
and then either you're going to go back in there and re-clean and shape, that's what you should do, or you close it up like, you know what, you're going to the end of the ice. <laughs> you know, so either way. So, and another thing is with thermophils, what makes it very difficult for endodontists to retreat is trying to remove the carrier, especially around a curve. Those carriers are very difficult to remove around the curve. It takes a lot of time. Um, it increases the, 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 the ability to be able to perforate or transport the canal. And some of them you have to end up doing a, a surgery. So um, I'm, not, I'm not really a big proponent uh, to carrier-based obturators. However, that is the number one obturation system in the world. Mm-hmm. Why? Because most general dentists use it. I would say 90, 95% of general dentists use it around the world. Now, it's not a bad system if it's done properly. But the problem is, if you're under a certain time constraint, you're trying to hurry up and get it done, you're not gonna get a, do a good job adequately cleaning and shaping, and then you're gonna pretty much pack debris or pack tissue down there with that obturator, and then it's gonna fail on you. So, um, so that's, that's my take on um, you know, obturation techniques with um, when you compare one vert, well, you compare lateral to one vertical to the thermophile or plastic carrier method. And that's interesting that you say that um, that's the number one system that general dentists are using. Because do the statistics say that general dentists are doing more root canals than the specialists? Is that Absolutely. Right? 80% of all root canals global are done by the general dentist. So as an endodontist, we only usually see about 20% of root canals that are done um, initially, from initial, but we normally end up doing about 90% of retreatment. So it's difficult as an endodontist to explain to the patient why they need the retreatment in a lot of those cases without making their general dentist look bad. And so it's a tightrope, and we do a pretty good job at doing that but usually the, the patients say, well, why did my dentist sing me to you in the first place? And so we have to say something, well, your, your general dentist, you know what? They did the best they could with what they had, the knowledge they had, and we're just gonna move on and try to fix it. Did they do anything, you know, um, terrible? No, they didn't, but you know, they did the best they could what they had. And you know, most of the time root canals work. Unfortunately, you know, yours didn't, but, but we'll fix it. So, um, but they, they always say, man, well, the next time, you know, I just want to just come to see an endodontist in the first place and that, that'll be, you know, saving me a lot of time and money. And so, you know, it does. Um, so that's, 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 that's where it is. And again, you know, I'm not saying um, general dentists shouldn't do root canals because I've gotten a lot of, Facebook flack on that. And I'm like, no, I'm not saying that. What I am saying is if you're going to do it, you have to do it up to our standard. You know, that is the law. That is the standard of care. If you're going to do endodontics, you have to do it up to the same level as an endodontist. And if you ever were to go in front of the board, and if it's not, and then you're going to be, you're going to be in trouble or Lord forbid you go in front of an attorney, you know, they're going to, they're going to hold you at the same standard of care as an endodontist. And I would also say just know when to refer. Yes. Just know when to refer because um, you know how you said you would have to explain. I, I would have to explain why I was sending the patient out, meaning a lot of patients want, if they develop a relationship with you and a rapport and they're already nervous, they don't want to go see somebody else. 
And I would always make a very good case for the endodontist because like I said, I'd say, you really don't want me to do this. It would take so long. And this person has more instruments and more, uh, they may have microscopes and they, they can see things that I may not be able to see. And that's kind of how I would explain it so that they will feel more comfortable uh, going out because a lot of people just are afraid. You know, they're afraid of us as dentists uh, in general. But I see some of the cases that you put up on Facebook and they are absolutely beautiful. Um, but I'm thinking, why would anybody ever do a molar root canal with, it seems like every last one of them have an extra canal. <laughs> and the, you know, the, the apex is curved and like, why would anybody attempt to do that? Like, why would anybody do that? So your cases are beautiful. So do you, do you have straightforward cases? Do you ever do like simple eight, nine interiors, everything these yeah. complex, yeah, that's a good question. Most of my straightforward cases come from crazy patients. The patients is crazy. You know, like, I mean, you know, I'm like, okay, if I got a straightforward number nine, something's wrong. And usually I have this, 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 this patient and they have either this long, crazy medical history or they're saying that, you know, this toothache is causing their right toenail to fall off. You know, just stuff that you're like, okay, I'm going to spend more time explaining um, a root canal to this patient versus doing the treatment. And another thing that I wanna talk about is there are a lot of patients out here that go to the internet and okay. they want to be a dentist. Yes. That they want to be the endodontist and they wanna tell you how to do their job. So you can yeah. get, I'll inherit some of those. And, or you'll get the patient that is the uh, naturalist patient and they want everything holistic and, you know, and all these kind of things. And they ask all these questions, which we don't mind. We, you know, I, I take pride in, in fact, I don't even work on a patient unless they understand what they're getting and why they're getting it. And if they don't, I say, hey, let's just reschedule it. Well, let me f help you find someone that can, you know, answer these questions better than, than, than I can. And a lot of times, um, a lot of the patients, you know, will go and they'll look up some of the um, information about, um, uh, you're probably familiar with the Dr. Price thing and about, oh, the root canal can cause cancer or the root canal it's a dead organ in your body and things like that and i have to go and explain all those things and, and why that's not so and and then it's oh yes it is because i saw it on the internet and i saw this particular person that you know that died they had cancer they had a root canal and i'm like well they had pink fingernail polish on them too so <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so, you know, you, 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 and then, you know, you, you hate to do that, but you, you have to reel them in. And most of them, I can reel them in, but some of them, you know, they just go on, on you know, the way they want to go. And then the next thing you know, the tooth really starts hurting and they come back and get root canal. You get so, it done. <laughs> you spent two hours of time just explaining all those things. Um, and then, you know, the treatment only takes 30 minutes. So normally when I see an eight and nine, I'm like, all right, there's more to this story. <laughs> the, other, the other ones that I would see that's supposed to be straightforward are the trauma cases that can be pretty delicate to handle or the open apex cases of the kid falls down and they're mm -hmm. six years old, you know, mm -hmm. they got an abscess, the, the, the root is immature. Well, what do you do? And um, those kind of cases are very challenging because it depends on you know, the diagnosis and the kid and what's going on depends on what the mom want to do, whether they want to try to do some um, apexification or some regenerative endodontics, using stem cells and those kind of things. 
And a lot of times um, you, you have to have a very sharp endodontist that knows how to, A, work on kids because a lot of my endodontic kids, I mean kids, <laughs> a lot of my endodontic colleagues, if you're not 12 and older, they won't even touch you, you know? So I'm one of the few that will work on um, kids as young as six years old, but I actually had training in my residency at Miami Children's Hospital. So that was a plus at the time. I thought it was crazy. It was a burden. I'm like, why are we treating these young kids? I'm never going to be seeing kids in my practice, but I'm the pediatric dentist best friend when it comes down to trauma because I can handle a lot of those cases because I have training and I did a fellowship at Miami Children's Hospital when I was at Nova Southeastern in Fort Lauderdale. So, um, you know, so those are some of the, you know, talking about referrals. So those are some of the, the interesting gamuts of the referral um, patients that, that we see. Okay. And we have one more question. Sure. And this time, this dentist just wrote in, what is your irrigation protocol? Irrigation protocol, boy, that's another one that I can probably spend three hours on. <laughs> um, see, Evelyn, I'm, I'm one of those kind of people where I'm, I'm an expert, independent um, consultant and leader in the donuts. And all that means is that, look, I can tell you how to keep it simple. Or I can, if you want to make it elaborate and complex, I can do that as well. But I'm a, I'm a simple guy. I still personally believe in full strength sodium hypochlorite. You know, full strength sodium hypochlorite. And if you use that, and you, you don't focus on speed. It takes at least 20 to 25% 20 to 25 minutes for sodium hypochlorite to dissolve pulp tissue. So a lot of people, they want to just do this fast root canal. Well, if you do, if you do it that fast, you're not dissolving any pulp tissue. And if you're not, and you're not cleaning out the canal properly, which will lead to failure. So when you talk about irrigation, sodium hypochlorite, full strength, no question, that's just number one. Number two, you can definitely do EDTA. So my main three are sodium hypochlorite, full strength. I use EDTA and I also use 99% um, ethyl alcohol. And some people say, well, why do, you, why do you use that? Well, I use the sodium hypochlorite twofold to disinfect the tooth, um, to kill the pulp tissue because sodium hypochlorite is the only irrigant that can do both. Some, some of the other ones can't. Now they will sell you uh, chlorhexidine, but guess what? Chlorhexidine doesn't dissolve pulp tissue. So they will sell you all, and I can keep going to, they got all these mixtures of all that kind of stuff and you can use all that stuff, but really full strength sodium hypochlorite, EDTA, I use EDTA to help, um, well, I actually use it in two forms. The liquid EDTA is a chelator and it breaks down all the sludge in there, or some people call it the smear layer and all that. And it allows you to have a cleaner canal system so your sealer can bond better to the internal aspects of the tooth. And also some of the studies show that EDTA can also kill funguses, funguses actually in the root canal system. Some people are like, yeah, it's funguses in it. I'm like, yeah, there are. And viruses as well. Um, and so also I, I like to use a final rinse of um, 99% ethyl alcohol. So people are like, well, why is that? Well, number, number one, it's a drying agent, so it helps dry so you don't have to use a million paper points, number one. And number two, um, one of my first major research papers that actually got published in the Journal of Endodontics is that if you use sodium hypochlorite by itself, 
it can form these little crystals and these little crystals can actually occlude the dental tubules it could block you out of the lateral canal so when you use sodium hypochlorite as I mean, uh, um, 99% ethyl alcohol as a final rinse it breaks that down and so you don't have to worry about um, blocking yourself out or not having a really good adaptation with your seal and your gut aperture to the root canal wall system and secondly um, I also use it to sterilize my gut aperture. So people are like, how do you sterilize gut aperture? Well, a one minute, one minute um, um, you can irrigate your gut aperture or you can put your gut aperture in a tray and you, you put in soda hypochlorite for one minute, it actually sterilizes it because gut aperture does not come naturally sterile. And once you open it up, um, some of the studies show that it can have bacteria films, bile films, and things like that on it. Well, you want to make sure when you put it in, inside the tooth, inside someone's body, you want to be as sterile as possible. So I, I um, let it soak in a minute of sodium hypochlorite, and then also I do a final rinse of um, the 99% alpha alcohol on it to remove any sodium chloride crystals that may form on it. And, um, and then you're ready to go. And not only that, um, guess what? Have you ever had an overfill before? Yeah, I've had an overfill. But guess what? If you do enough, though, you're going to have an overfill. But guess what? If you, do, if you have an overfill and your gut aperture is sterile, and you clean the, system, you clean the root canal system out adequately, guess what's going to happen? Nothing. <laughs> you know, I always tell people, a little gut aperture won't hurt you. If you have a little bit outside, now I'm not talking about you, you, you blasted out you know, 10 millimeters and you got a you know, curly cue off into the sinus. I'm not saying that. But if you have a little overfill, there's nothing to freak out about. You know, you monitor it. And most of the time, if the gutter person has been um, sterilized with the technique I'm telling you and the root canal system has been adequately cleaned and shaped and um, properly irrigation, you know, it won't be a problem. And I've had some studies. I've actually had a case where I actually overfilled. And I followed this case up like 10 years. And guess what? The gutter person was gone. Hmm. People are like, how did that happen? Well, without getting into too much science, you feel like I'm giving a lecture now, but um, <laughs> the macrophages outside, actually over a period of time, will eat away at the gut aperture because it's inert, and it will eat it, eat it away, literally. And, um, and, and over a period of time, it, it may not even be there. Um, so that's, that's just the body and, and, and how sometimes God just designs us to, to, to be able to be, you know, that awesome, even with and you know, it's something because you said at some point you may have a little bit of an overfill and at some point you're definitely going to have a, an instrument to separate. It's just how yes. it works when you're, you're doing the procedure, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, I want to get into a little bit um, before, before we conclude because we're, we're, we're talking a lot about the, the science part, but there'll be other people that'll be listening to the show as well. Your book, it is um, Getting to the Root of your problem, 365, 365 days of inspirational thinking. So um, what made you write that book? Well, uh, that's, that's a good question. You know, that book is actually birthed out of a lot of Facebook posts. You know, I, would, I, I post daily inspirational, um, my daily inspirational word, and now I've actually added a, a, a short video inspiration and talk about a lot of different things. And someone said, hey, you know what? You know, you need to write a book. I'm like, I don't have time to write a book. Like, what are you talking about? And they said, well, you already written a book. All, I mean, you've been talking on Facebook for three years and you have all these posts. 
have you ever heard of purpose driven life? I'm like, yeah, I've read it. I have it. It's like, well, it's just like that. It's like a daily inspirational journey. And you talk about a lot of things um, that are biblical related. You also talk about your personal life and how you grew up. You also talk about some of the philosophical things like Socrates and Plato and some of the things that Aristotle, some of the things that they said, and you just put it all together. And so that's what I did. I had no idea what I was doing. I contacted a publishing company and they said, hey, we like this material. We think it's a great play on words. You're an endodontist. You're saying get into the root of your problem. I think that's going to cross well with your audience. And, um, and I put it out there and, and they liked it. And um, it actually, you know, really did awesome. It's still doing well. It's at Barnes and Nobles and Amazon and uh, uh, even iTunes uh, bookstore picked it up. And it's so globally, you can download it to an iPhone and all that, and, or, or uh, we call it the tablet thing and all that mm -hmm. kind of stuff. And it's really time for me to do another one. I, it, time flies. I think I wrote that book about four or five years ago, but when people read it, they said it's still fresh. Mm -hmm. And that's why I know it came, it was birthed out of the heart of God because his word is fresh and new. Every time you look at it, you be like, man, I didn't see that. Or man, how did, how did he know I was going through those kind of things? Because these are things that, that, that basically is the foundation for my success. And, um, and I said, I'm, I'm going to put it in the book form. And people are asking me, they're waiting for the, for the next one. And I'm like, hey, when, when I get the time or when God puts in my heart, we're going to do it. Because I got so much more, I mean, to, to just pour out. And not only in, in, in book form, in that, I mean, you know, I, I have a lot of information I want to I share, you know, dealing with what, what I do as an endodontist and how I can make other um, dentists' lives better and being a better, um, you know, doing root canals better. So there's a lot of things that I want to do, you know, um, and, you know, still got to be a father to my two daughters. I have 11 and 12-year-olds, still have to be a husband to my wife and all those kind of things is trying to, you know, find the time to juggle all those things. So that's the, that's the most difficult part, you know, it's like so much time a day and you get so many opportunities. You want to do so many things, but you got to, as your sign, stay on the top of your head, stay focused. And so that's what I have to do. Well, good. I, I um, can attest to those uh, inspirational posts that you put on Facebook. I, I think I've messaged you and sometimes I, I, comment on them but I, sometimes I feel like you're just talking t directly to me and so I really like those you, you you have inspirational things you have um you have things that are uh, spiritual or biblical and like I said sometimes I read them I'm like wow he's talking to me today love this post like that post so that's really good so so keep up the good work and um also now I know we're kind of moving around but I just want to cover so many things because I have you on here and I know, like you said, you're busy and, and we're, we're juggling everything and we have so many things. But I want to touch on just one more thing. So you actually are a speaker, an American Dental Association success speaker. What That's does correct. that entail? So basically, um, you know, I actually go across the country to different dental schools. Now, talking about various topics, what the, um, the, the dental students may be interested in. Um, so next week, next Friday, I'll be at Howard University. And I'll be talking about um, leadership in dentistry, how to um, um, basically practice management. And I think the other one is managing debt. Um, I think that's the other one. So, so basically, it's a program that the ADA offers. You have to apply. 
you have to interview. And then if you get in, you know, you actually become one of their speakers and you travel, travel around um, to dental schools and, and talk to the dental students um, about various topics. I think we have like seven topics that we discuss um, and, and try to help them. And again, this is all volunteer, so I take a time, a date for my schedule. So I wouldn't really recommend it to someone who's really trying to grow their practice because they pay me a whole $75 a day to do it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, so um, well, I, no, I think that, but I think it's, no, it's $75 a day. And they, they do pay your expenses. But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, the deposit you have into the students is, is, is you know, it's life-changing and it's, you can't put a price on it. I had many many students throughout the years say, hey, you know, you came to my dental school and you said something that impacted me, encouraged me, or even made me laugh. It's like, you know, we had all these other speakers coming in, we were boring, but when you said, hey, your first dental assistant, you know, she came to work sleepy and all the other kind of stuff, you found out she was a stripper at night and a dental assistant by the day, like that just was so funny to me. I was like, okay, cool. And I had to the rest of the time. And that is a real story. I cannot make that up. <laughs> um, so, you know, Things like that happen. And when you run your own practice and you just start from scratch, you're going to get all kinds, you're going to learn, you're going to get all kinds of different, different people. So, um, so it, it's, you know, for, for me to take that time um, to basically be a mentor to some of those students who aren't, who don't have one, because when I go to the dental schools, I give them, you know, my personal email and they can contact me and, you know, those who don't have a mentor and I stay in contact with a lot of students throughout. And so I become a mentor or a person that they can contact, you know, when they deal with various issues or when they get out of school and things like that. So, um, so that's the ADA um, success um, speaker side. Um, I'm also an ADA spokesperson as well, uh, just for the field of endodontics. So when crisis happened or someone, Lord forbid, died having a root canal in a chair, I'm the person that the ADA uh, contact and I'll be in various media outlets like CNN or Fox or whatever, and explain from a um, endodontist standpoint what could have happened, or 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 if a patient um, you don't use a rubber dam, believe it or not, eighty percent of dentists don't consistently use a rubber dam during a root canal, and then they aspirate a file. A file goes down the throat. Then you have to have an emergency surgery. That patient sues and all that. Guess what they're gonna call? They're gonna call Dr. Short. Get up there and talk about that. And so I don't want to get that phone call about anybody who's listening to me right now, all right? Because you don't have an excuse. Yeah. Dr. Evelyn had me on her great show. <laughs> Keep y'all out of trouble as best as she can. So, um, so, so those are um, two, of the, two of the, and these, this is volunteer as well, um, positions that I have with the ADA. And just as a caveat, they like that. And then they said, hey, we would like you to be one of our speakers. So I have an opportunity to speak at a couple of the national ADA meetings. And again, I wish they were more minorities speaking. And unfortunately, I don't know if um, we haven't gotten a call or gotten an opportunity or things like that. In fact, I got an email from someone that said, hey, you know, I look at the cover of Dentistry Today at, at, at 2019 Top CE Leaders why are you the only African-American on the cover? And it's like, I don't know, 250 dentists on there. And I was like, man, yeah, it's an honor, but something isn't right because I know there are plenty other great qualified African-American dentists out there that they're ready to go, you know? So um, I'm doing my part to help 
a lot of people who want that stage and platform get an opportunity because I would love to have someone right next to me. Just like you, Dr. Teague, I would love to have you right next to me on the cover of the magazine where we can do an article together. And I think it'll be great because people are looking at us because I get, you wouldn't believe, I get these Facebook private messages saying, hey, look, for me to see you on the cover, my heart melt. Me as a young dentist, I even had someone that was an older dentist that was like born in like the 50s. And they was like, man, to see you on the cover, we made it. It was refreshing to be able to see you. And, and I was actually in, I think it was in 2000 and I think it was 15, I was the exclusive cover of the, the big Dentistry Today magazine. And I asked the editor and he was like, yeah, he said, you know what? You're the first African-American to ever be on that cover. And this magazine been out 20 something years and it comes out every month. And he said, I had to actually fight tooth and nails to get you on the cover. And there was a lot of resistance because they didn't think dentistry was ready to move forward in that yet. And he said, but I persevere because I see all the stuff you do and it's wonderful. You have a lot of cases. People aren't paying you to say certain things. You're not affiliated with any demo company. And I know your story and it's amazing. And I think you deserve that honor recognition. And so he, he put me on the cover of that. And I actually have people that have saved that cover. Some of the older dentists um, coming down to the Hinman um, I know this may sound weird, but I had that they wanted me to sign the cover of that. They said, hey, I've never ever seen this. Like, dude, you like MLK in dentistry or something like that. You know, like, I think I still have that one too. I think I still have that cover because it. Oh, really? And I think I, I'm pretty certain I still have it. Awesome. I still have that cover as well. Awesome. So that, that's to be commended. So, okay. So, What's next? The, are you going to do a hands-on course for dentists? Is, is that what's next? Yeah, yeah. So, the, so, so, the, so the next thing is, um, you know, I've been talking to a few people and they're, they're saying, hey, you know, it's time for you to do, you know, a hands-on course. So I'm, I'm working on that because, you know, a, a lot of these hands-on courses in which I've attended, you know, they're just basically smoke and mirrors and sales and marketing. And I don't want to do a hands-on course like that. Um, in fact, the kind of hands-on course I want to do, I want to I say, hey, you bring in whatever you used to use it, and I'm going to teach you how to be better at using that one thing. Oh, that's good. And, and to me, that's the best hands-on course because I'm not selling you anything. Mm -hmm. you know? And then I'm going to bring in what I like, and you'll be able to see what I like. And then you'll be able to compare what I like to what you're doing. And then if you want to make a switch and modification, you can, or I can teach you how to be better at using your technique and what you're using. In fact, one of the students or one of the dentists came up to me and said, hey, Dr. Short, which one is the best technique? Crown down or step back? Which one do you like? And I said, well, number one, it depends on the case, but number two, most of the time I, 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 I do the crown down technique. And I said, why? I said, because as you're crowning down, you open it up from the top going down, you're able to get more irrigants into the canal space. And also the studies show that you have a less chance of inst instrument fracture. And if you do, you're usually gonna fracture at the top, we can get to it. But if you do a step back, that's smaller to larger, use a very small file at first. And if a small file gets stuck in the apex, you can't get it out, you're pretty much toast. So, um, and then you don't get an opportunity to get the irrigants down. So they're like, wow, that makes so much sense. Well, why in the dome schools, they're still teaching the other way? And I'm like, I don't know. You know, so, um, you know, so it's, it's little, little things like that can make a huge difference in a lot of the cases, you know, especially the cases that 
most of the general dentists um, can do, you know, efficiently and that can do them well. It even boils down to even um, um, type of endo supplies you buy, who you're buying them from, how much you're paying for them. I'm going to tell you something, Evan. I used to have, when I first came out, you know, I didn't know any better. I bought everything that my residents told me to buy. My, you know, I'm like, all right. You know, I was paying $1,000 for a handpiece. And the handpiece tore up. You had to pay $400 to get it fixed. Yes. And so the handpiece, you know, it'll last you about a year, year or two, whatever. And I'm like, why am I paying so much for a shovel? I'm like, let me just see if I can get me another shovel. You know, and so I, I did some research. I looked on eBay, and there was a company that had a handpiece for like, I think it was like 25 bucks. It was a knockoff of what I used. I'm like, you know what? Let me just try it. Let me tell you, this handpiece has outlasted the one I paid $1,000 for, but $25 and the light kept us like, why am I paying this much money for a shovel? For me as another, I just need to make a hole. That's it. The patient doesn't care how the hole is made long as you know, it's done properly and they're not hurting. And so little things like that, you know, like I don't pay any more than $50 for a handpiece, period, period. You know, so, you know, now, when I say that in a lecture, because I'm independent, you know, some of the companies, they're like, oh man, here he goes, he's getting ready to lost his business. But guess what my audience do? They're like, oh my God, you know, that's awesome. You know, and that's just one thing. You know, there are companies out there that sell awesome burrs and files and things like that for a fraction of what we were buying because what we were taught while we were in dental school as a resident. But, you know, you don't know. And so we going back to what you were saying about streamlining practice, making efficient. That's what you want to do. Why in the heck would I want to pay $65 for a pack of endo files when I can find something just as good or even better for $25? Like, does that make any sense? No. You know, but, you know, if you, don't, if you don't know any better, you can't do any better. And you're still in line because they got the biggest advertisement. They have the biggest banner cross there so you think that's the best you know so anyway so i drop all those 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 tools and stuff that can save people you know hundreds of thousands of dollars throughout their career you know of doing endodontics and um and say you know save them a bunch of money and so you know i you know all those kind of things about even even down to the comb bee machine i wrote i wrote a viewpoint article on cbc endodontics and i got a ton of hate mail you know, from a lot of these uh, manufacturers that, hey, why are you saying that? And I'm saying things based in evidence-based research. It's not just, because they were like, can you write it in your opinion? I'm like, I can write in my opinion, but I need to write it where it holds some weight. I'm going to give you evidence-based research based on everything I said. So it's not, it's not only going to be my opinion, this is research-based. And I can tell you, they wanted that article to go away fast. And, um, but the people who read it, they were like, thank you for that, because they said I had to have this or I had to spend $100,000 for a Combi machine for, and all these other kind of things. And I'm like, well, the fact of the matter is, I know you want to send for a Combi, and in certain instances, that's fine, but in endodontics, you won't see a microfracture with a Combi. You won't. And, you know, you know it's something that you say that too, because you, I, I think about when, when dentists are setting up practices and they, by all the bells and whistles. You yeah. can't do dentistry without having all those things. Right. You can get in there and do some dentistry, and once you get to a point, maybe start adding some of the things that you really like to work with. 
Right. But that, that is so as well. So right. we're going to be looking forward to your um, hands-on course. We'll keep an eye out for that. And when that comes out, maybe we'll have you back on the show and, and make some announcements. Um, if someone wanted to get in touch with you, Dr. Short, how would they get in touch with you? Well, the best way to get in contact with me is um, you can email me um, at dr.short at yahoo.com. I get gazillion emails all over the world about these same questions. So that's going to be a pretty slow response. Um, but probably social media is the best, you know, uh, Facebook Messenger. Um, I'm there under um, Dr. Rico Short. Um, Twitter, I'm there as well. Dr. Rico Short is my Twitter handle and also Instagram. So you can, you can private message me or what have you. And, and I'm pretty um, efficient at um, so, you know, getting back with you on social media versus um, email. But those are the best ways to contact me. Um, typically, um, I try to post when I'm speaking somewhere. So I would love if I'm ever speaking in your city or your old dental school or things like that, um, or you come to the ADA, Hinman, um, things like that. In fact, I'll be speaking at the um, I'll be speaking at a at the California Dental Association in Anaheim coming up um, this year, and I think it's in April. Um, so it's a three-hour uh, clinical. Well, no, it's not a clinical course. This is a didactic course. Um, so it's not hands-on. But you know, if I'm ever in your in your city, in your state, feel free to come by, um, and I can guarantee you, I'm going to teach you something you didn't know. It happens all the time. So. All right. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for um, being on the show. Uh, just a bunch of knowledge, pearls of wisdom. You've been a well of knowledge. So thank you so much for, for coming on the show, Dr. Short. Hey, my pleasure. So, so this concludes another episode of the Efficient Practice Podcast. If you have an efficient practice or if you're using efficient practices to run your business better, this show is for you. So make sure to subscribe to the show, rate and review it on iTunes, Stitcher, and many of the other major podcast mediums. And if you have not, please join our free Facebook group. It's called the Efficiency Now Network, where there are lots of uh, dentists and uh, dental professionals, medical professionals, and people in, in uh, the healthcare arena who are sharing and trying to grow and run their businesses better. There are also specialists like Dr. Short in the group, so we would be happy for you to join. So this is Dr. Evelyn Samuel signing off for another episode. And once again, we want to thank you, Dr. Short, for being on the show. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited about what you're doing and I can see you, um, you know, climbing the ladder of, of, of all the consultation people and being speaker and I can see I see you have your book too so and I do have your book thank you for sending me your book it's an awesome book and uh, I can't wait till you write another one and um, you know what you're doing is, is awesome it's amazing um, and I just can't wait to see what the future has for you as well thank you so much and we'll see you next time and until then so long bye-bye Thank you for listening to the Efficient Practice Podcast with Dr. Evelyn Samuel.